0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com recommend today. We bring in Brian Hoke from MLB.com, beat writer covering the Yankees. Also has a new book coming out this week. We're going to hear about, uh, about Aaron Judge and... Well, all the feel good from last season that feels far away right now. Um, Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks, Lori. Well,
1: it's always good to have positive (laughs) things to think about, uh, even when you're in the thick of things that aren't so positive.
0: So we're gonna get to the book in a moment and the positive, but uh, but so Brian Tashman, certainly you've talked to him and interviewed him a lot through the years, and. He's never fired a coach in season, and for the first time he did that today. What does that tell us about Cashman's mindset right now, and is he feeling a lot of pressure?
1: I think it tells you that what he saw was – untenable and he he didn't need to see any more evidence you know i remember talking to him about this a few years ago and we were talking about his reluctance to make a change like that in season be it a coach be it a pitching coach a hitting coach whatever it may be and he was proud of the fact that he had never done that because what he believes is that you should judge a season on all 162 and you want to have as much data as you can if you look at that at the end of the year and say all right this guy is not the right fit and he, they've done that they've gotten rid of people and, and made changes yep. during the off season but they come in they're very methodical in their plan in the off season when they look at everything set up in spring training and say all right now we're going to send it out there run it out for 162 and see what we get i think the fact that the results were so bad and across the board, they're waiting on John Carlos Stanton and Josh Donaldson and DJ Lemayhew and Anthony Rizzo can't hit for power right now. I I don't put that all of that on Dylan Lawson, but, you can't fire all the players. So what are you going to do? You can't just sit on your hands and say, Oh, well, the season's not going very well. What are you going to do? Like, I, I think that it was to a critical point. And I think the tipping point for them was the other night with a matchup against Jamison Tyone, a pitcher who they know very well, and they knew was having a terrible year ERA over six. And they go in and he shuts them down in their building. One hit, no runs, eight innings. I think that after that, Uh, Cashman told us that he contacted Hal Steinbrenner the next day by telephone and said, hey, I think we need to make a change there. And Hal's response essentially was, if you think that's what they need to do, then do it. And so that's where we are. The Yankees announced it after the game today, and uh, they will have a new hitting coach when they get back on the field Friday in Denver.
0: So you mentioned Hal Steinbrenner, the owner, and he recently said, he didn't understand why the fans were upset about what was going on so far this season with the Yankees. Any of this, um, look, it's it's sports talk radio, so of course we, uh, <laughs> we explore theories like this. Um, any chance that some of this also is that there was terrible backlash to this and sort of the owner and general manager needing to take some of that disgruntled fan base seriously on the problem's of the season show more urgency and that this does show that the owner um, maybe understands that fans are upset. Well, maybe that's
1: part of it. That's a good theory. I, I think that obviously that comment did not play well. Um, I, I think that it was an offhand remark in a live interview. And so I, I'll give him a little slack on that. But I think that Kyle has to understand the team that he operates and mm-hmm. the expectations around the team that he operates. And he knows, he knows that the Yankees haven't won a world series championship since 2009. And uh, that, for a team whose mission statement is still championship or bust, and we've given them multiple opportunities to back off of that <laughs> and say, All right, fine, it's playoffs or bust. Like, you right. got us, guys. And, and, but they've said every time, time and again, No, absolutely not. It is championship or bust. Like, okay, uh, but you haven't done it in 14 years now, and this year is not looking great for their chances. I, I'm not them I, I there's still a chance here but um, you know I've, I looked at the mathematical odds the other day and fangraft does a good job with this and uh, they're their favorite to win the World Series. Uh, their their top three teams are the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Rays. Not in that order, I don't believe. But uh, the Yankees are at like a four percent chance. And so um, you know, I feel like the uh, the Lloyd Christmas character in uh, Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> where he goes, so "You're telling me there's a chance? Yeah, there's a chance. Sure, there's a chance that uh, you know Stanton and Donaldson, LeMayhew and Rizzo can all find their groove, and uh, Judge will come back and play like an MVP. It could happen, but um, you know, I, I feel like the odds of running against that right now no doubt
0: so we've heard that there are you know cashman has said there are two candidates um and they are from outside the organization he would not comment on whether that was a former player or, or who that might be any um either any rumors that you might be hearing about who those types of candidates um, might be or a sense of who you think it, the, the type of profile it should be
1: I'm very curious to see who it's going to be. I don't have a name to throw at you, although I will say that so many people have hit up my Twitter to say Brett Gardner should be the guy, and I don't think Brett's going to be the guy, but uh, that sure would be fun to have him come back. If you want somebody to to kick guys in the rear, I think that he might be the right pick for that. Uh, I think it's probably going to be somebody with a proven big league experience. And, and let me tell you here, Maybe this will shed a little light on it. Every time Brian Cashman has made a managerial change, it it's to go to the direct opposite. Now, you remember mm-hmm, yep. Joe Torrey was kind of the... Uh, The kindly, you know, figure who would sit there and spin yarns to the media for a half hour and take the heat off his players. He was replaced by Joe Girardi, who came in and was more of a kind of close, close-cropped drill sergeant type with a Mm -hmm. tight jaw and, um, you know, demanding. Very very intense.
0: Very intense. Yes, absolutely.
1: Tension was his. Default mode. Mm -hmm. And then when that message got tired and they wanted to make a change, they went to Boone, who's everybody's kind of cool uncle. And uh, it it, 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 is a complete polar opposite of Girardi in a lot of ways. And so I I feel like if you look at who Dylan Lawson was, an organizational guy, he's 38, uh, never played in the big leagues, didn't have that kind of track record there. Maybe they go for the complete opposite, a guy who's a little bit older, has some big league track record. Now, the problem is you got about four days to get that done, but if right. you really want to get him hired before Friday in Denver. So my, my thought would be the Yankees already know who they want it to be, and they're just kind of working out the dollar figure to make it happen.
0: Now, any sense if this would be something that's interim between now and the end of the season, or... Is this, because to get that done in a few days and bring somebody on, and to your point, have that be maybe such a swing um, with a former player who's not as, um, I don't know, you know, entrenched in analytics, feels like a big departure if you're going to make that the the philosophy moving forward. The Yankees, you know, somebody who wouldn't necessarily be in lockstep with the rest of the organization all through the minor leagues.
1: Yeah, well, and that's one thing about, uh lawson was very much in that and you know we heard all about the hit strikes hard philosophy that he was bringing up through the farm system one thing i would say is that it's not a complete gutting of the hitting department they're going to keep on the two assistant Mm -hmm. hitting coaches and casey dykes and brad wilkerson so there is some continuity there um so i think that whoever you bring in it's it's certainly going to be a learning curve anytime you have to bring a guy in For example, when you trade for a catcher in midseason, that is always an adjustment process because they have an entire new pitching staff to learn now this guy, whoever he is, is going to come in and have to learn not just the hitters on the major league team, but he'll probably have to learn the hitters on the, the AAA team, too, because you never know who's going to come up and down. And uh, so I think that it's going to take a deep dive. And, uh, you know, Cashman did say that he thinks this is a, an appealing opportunity, that there are people who are going to want this job. But there's no doubt it's going to be a challenge because you're going to join a team that's near the bottom of the league in most of the offensive categories that you really care about. And now your job coming into New York city is going to be, all right, fix this and do it now. So, uh, um, I'm not saying that there's not somebody up to the challenge, but definitely it's going to take a special kind of person to come in and do it. Well,
0: is part of what got the hitting coach fired when you look at fair or unfair, uh, you look at whether it was Anthony Volpe, um, having his buddy Austin Wells, a double a catcher, um at least outwardly diagnose um his swing and and take a look and recommend yeah. making it more closed and or somebody like Aaron Hicks who struggles with the Yankees and then shows up with Baltimore and you know looks refreshed is are, is it is it moves like that that is the indictment on the hitting coach because it seems hard to blame a hitting coach to your point the the veterans, how much input does a hitting coach really have on veterans who've been in the league for ten plus years, like the Donaldsons and you know, the LeMayhews and the Stantons and the Rizzos and those guys?
1: Yeah, and don't forget some of these guys have their own private hitting coaches right. too. A judge and we talk about this in my book, he has this guy, Richard Schenk, who he really trusts with every kind of ounce of his swing and really helped him get to that sixty two home run season last year and so uh we tell that whole story in the book. But yeah, I, I think that it, look, the hitting coach, he's there to make suggestions, right? But he can't hold the bat and go up to the plate for you. I mean, so he can only do so much. And I think the Volpe thing, um, the, you know that narrative got overblown a little bit. And I'll take responsibility because I asked the question about the chicken farm. And that kind of took <laughs> off and uh, took on a life of its own, no doubt. And, you know, Volpe and I were actually yep. talking about it the other day. and I was like, can you believe how, how crazy that got? And he said, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Like, we were just – kind of talking like we always do. And so uh, in in that case, the fact that that story came out and then he immediately started hitting, it doesn't look great for the hitting coach, Mm -hmm. but uh, the fact of the matter is that even before that series, Lawson had suggested a change very similar to that to and He just finally you know, instituted it after that Mets series. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that that got overblown a little bit, but certainly, you know, from the outside looking in uh, you, you hear about a guy fixing his swing by hanging out with one of his old teammates and you say, all right, what what's the hitting coach doing? But I will say one thing about Dylan Lawson and I got to see it firsthand behind the scenes. This guy worked his tail off. He hardly slept. Uh, he, he really did grind. It's just, the results weren't there, and I think that uh, even he would acknowledge that, uh, you know, you keep banging your head against the wall so many times, something's got to change, and um, I think that's the situation Brian Cashman was in there where he just didn't want to be in a situation where he didn't turn over that rock, where he did, where he would just sit on his hands for the rest of the year and let the chips fall where they may. I, I think that it became a point where you have to do something.
0: Yeah, and... I think that uh, Dylan Lawson will be, um, will go on to success. As you mentioned, 38 years old, well regarded, smart guy. I think he will go on to have, uh, you know, success uh, moving forward, other teams. Um, Any, any potential trades, you know, that that you think any rumors? I mean, I guess it's a little too soon or, you know, Yankee fans. I've got fans, of course, on Twitter wanting to know um, any potential trades to help the offense. You know, we saw Cody Bellinger in mm-hmm. town. So that's a, that's a player that's on a lot of Yankee fans minds. But anything that you're hearing at all that they might be um, kicking the tires on?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I watched Bellinger the other night, and he put one in the second deck and right field, and my first thought was, huh, the Yankees could use a guy like that. Left-handed. <laughs> uh, left-handed hitting outfielder, <laughs> and he's been connected to the Yankees for years now. So would I be completely shocked if uh, he was one of the names you get kicked? No, I, I wouldn't. He's uh, in the walk year of his contract. You have to take on a little money to get it. But um I think a lot of that will depend on – where the Yankees are in this judge situation because uh, now we know judge isn't going to the all-star game he's going to get treatment when is he going to be back and so that's the question we all want an answer to and uh, we don't have that answer if, if it's going to be the first week of August which is the best case scenario then maybe you don't have to trade for a bat maybe you can count on that if it's going to be later than that then maybe you should and, and one thing I have heard is that the Yankees are uh, looking up down everywhere for pitching both starting and bullpen. I feel like that's an area where they feel like they may be able to upgrade. And of course we saw the Jimmy Cordero news earlier this week. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that creates a hole in the bullpen and uh, that they need to replace. But also I think that you can never have enough pitching in this game. And we've certainly seen that over the last few years. So, um, I, you know, obviously everybody wants the Yankees to go get a bat, but I wouldn't rule out the idea of them getting a, an arm or
0: two too. Um. So you mentioned judge and when he's coming back, For Yankee fans who want some reading, uh, they're not going to have, you know, yeah, there's a home run derby and an all star game, but they won't have Yankee games over the next few days. Um, For Yankee fans who are interested in a new book, um, tell us what you have coming out. It's called Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees, the pursuit of greatness. And it comes out, is it on Tuesday?
1: Tuesday, Lori, you teed me up perfectly for that. Yeah, the title is 62. It's coming out, Atria, Simon & Schuster. It'll be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. And it is the story of Judge and the 62 home run season, but it's so much more than that. It's baseball history and connecting these three great Yankee right fielders, Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, and Aaron Judge, all who played in the same city for the same team, uh the same position even and held this single season home run record and so if you're a fan of baseball, you're a fan of the Yankees, of Aaron Judge, there's there's so much for everybody and even if you watched every single Yankee game last year, which I did, um <laughs> even and even if you uh think you know everything about Aaron Judge and this home run chase, I guarantee you when you read this book, you will find uh, something that you didn't know or that you are hearing for the first time because there is stuff reported in this book that has not been seen by anybody yet. So I'm I'm excited. I, I'm thrilled to have it come out. I feel like I've been on this media tour now for a while, and uh, I, I want people to, to read this book. I want them to, to buy it, of course, but I really want people to enjoy it because it, I feel like it's a complete story of – what was a phenomenal year, by, you know, wire to wire with Judge, with the contract, with everything that went on, and becoming captain of the Yankees. I, I, all the pieces of the puzzle just fit together, and I, I'm really proud of it.
0: So is there one story maybe that you can uh, give us a little bit of uh, a scoop on, something that we didn't know about, You, uh, want, perhaps, me yes, whole, you want me to give away the whole Yes, not the whole No, but give us <laughs> no. one story. Um. Yeah, I, I can
1: definitely tell you. Um, if you think that the the Giants and the Padres were the only teams that had made an offer to Aaron Judge, uh, you will be surprised to learn. Who the team was? There was another team in there that nobody knows about until this book comes out. So I, I, that's as far as I'm going to go with that. But there uh. are so many cool stories <laughs> about uh, about just what Judge was going through day to day. The the party that his teammates threw for him in Arlington after mm-hmm. home run number 62. Um, you know what he was going through. Uh, the stress of going through the chase. We have him. He actually watched the Billy Crystal movie with his wife, Samantha, <laughs> late in the home run chase just to kind of get an understanding of what he was going through and where he fit into Yankee history. So there's so many cool anecdotes like that that uh, you'll just have to pick up a copy of the book and, and give it a look.
0: All right. It comes out Tuesday. Um, with what you know of Judge, does it. You know, does it make sense to you when we look at this Yankee team and look, they weren't hitting, you know, like gangbusters um, before he was out of this lineup. But does it is it fair to to feel like one player when it's as good as Aaron Judge can actually have a positive impact on every other player on the team?
1: Well, we saw it in the second half last year where the performance fell off, and he was probably the only reason that they still even made the postseason. So I would say on a normal team, no. I, they should be able to hit without their guy, without their best player there. And uh, this is not to absolve the, the Stantons and the Donaldsons and the LeMay Hughes as we've talked about, and Rizzo. But I, I think that for any team, when you take their best player out of the lineup, of course there's going to be an impact. I just didn't expect it to be as... Ridiculous as it's been here in this season, where once he crashed through that wall in Los Angeles, it felt like nobody could hit anymore. And they have had some contributions. You know, Bofi's done a nice job here in his rookie year, and Glaber Torres offensively has been all right at times, but there have just been so many guys down. uh, Even when they're healthy, they're not performing, and they've had to rely on this. second line or third line of guys like Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney, who to their credit have come on in and do a nice job. But, uh, and even those guys would, uh, would agree with me. They're not Aaron judge and, uh, it's hard to fill those shoes.
0: All right. Um, Last one real quick before I let you go. Um, anything that you can you know, tell us in terms of the uh, tonight's the Major League Baseball um, you know, draft and the Yankees going for kind of a toolsy, shortstop, son of a former player, but a high school guy, um, from an organizational philosophy, any, anything you can kind of shed some light uh, strategically about the, the way the Yankees are approaching the draft right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I mean, every team will tell you that their strategy is never to draft or need. They always go for the best player on the board. And so, yeah, you, you got to pull these shortstop and I feel like we've lived this one a few years ago. They, they, the player they drafted is George Lombard Jr. And um, fans might remember that his dad played in the big leagues with a few teams uh, came up with the Atlanta Braves back in the day, back in the late nineties. And uh, so he comes from a big league pedigree, but uh, we've lived this where the, Yan- the last time the Yankees took a high school shortstop in the first round, his name was Anthony Volpe. And so we've seen Volpe kind of, we've had a front row seat to see this development here. And so that might give you an idea, a different kind of player. I know that Harold Reynolds on the network compared Uh, compared this guy to Marcus Simeon, uh, Mm -hmm. that that might be a good comparison uh, just in terms of body type and uh, what the future ceiling could be. So, uh, definitely somebody to watch, but he'll be a few years down
0: the line. Yeah, and like Simeon, uh, look, if the Yankees should only be so lucky, let others stick it short, um, whether that, let's say that is Volpe, is that um, short stops are good athletes. And so whether they, uh, you know, if this kid makes it at the Major League Baseball level, whether that's second base, uh, center field, you look at a player like Simeon, um, You can move them off of short, but. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. But they all, the scouts will always tell you that the best athletes. And I was getting a few of these on mm-hmm, Twitter too. Yep. People were saying, well, I mean, why are the Yankees yeah, exactly. drafting shortstop? Well, the, the reason is because the best athlete on the right. field at those, at that level is usually your shortstop yep. or your center fielder. And so yep. that's why most of those guys, I mean, judge was a center fielder in, in high school and college. So. Uh, too. So um I, I think that uh yeah you're usually gonna find the best athlete on the field at shortstop or center field.
0: Yeah it's a great point. You don't often, not to say never, but you don't often see first round draft picks um as first baseman um or right. you know DH. That's usually where you move a guy to over time. All right. Brian Hoke does a great job. If you're not following me you should be um his book sixty two if you are a Yankee fan or love baseball history, comes out on Tuesday. Brian, we look forward to it. Thanks for the time.
1: You got it, Lori. Hey, you can find out what Roger Maris ate the night of his 61st home run. We've got that in the book, too.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's chicken, like Wade Boggs. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you down the road soon.
1: You got it, Lori.